Hello and welcome to the Crown of Command podcast. Thank you very much for downloading our podcast and I hope you enjoy the next couple of hours as we discuss various things and topics related to Warhammer Fantasy 5th edition and also other game systems from that era in our guest interviews. So without further ado, let's get on to the show. Okay, thank you very much, Robert, for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to come and talk to us, mate. So uh, we haven't actually talked that much before, so I don't really know much about your um, history or the armies you're collecting or uh, games you're playing at the moment. So, Robert, this is your this is your time to shine, mate. So please <laughs> give us the whole rundown on your whole origin story and everything about anything you want to talk about, mate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, man, my origin story starts like a lot of the hero hammer generation guys that I've, I've uh, heard it started in with hero quest. I'm not sure when that was released in the U S but it was one of the few boxed games that was in a regular store. Right. I think it was released by Milton Bradley maybe. Um, And so my cousin got it. My younger cousin got it for Christmas one year. And we just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I always loved kind of medieval era fantasy type stuff. And then this game shows up. And so we played that. That was probably 91-ish or so when we got that game. Or he got the game and we just played it, man, all the time. So the ingenious nature of Games Workshop, they included a very thin little flyer. I'll never forget it. I wish I still had a copy. I don't have a copy anymore, but they had a little flyer in there, the world of games workshop. And I just opened that, opened that flyer and it showed very, very small, probably an inch and a half by maybe two inches by one and a half inches pictures of Warhammer fantasy. And it was fourth edition had just come out. So maybe that was 92. And I had never seen anything like it. And it was these very tiny pictures and it showed a picture of, uh, the fourth ed box set. And I was captivated. I said, what is this? And it was, you know, in my, I think I was 14, maybe 15 in my imagination. I always thought, you know, reading growing up, read the Hobbit, I think in fourth or fifth grade and just always loved fantasy and I just saw these pictures of this game of what are these miniature things? I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> so I'll, I remember uh, convincing my dad. I said, dad, can you write me a check for $39 us? And I'm going to send away for four to sh- six weeks shipping to this company in the UK for this game that I've never heard of. It was 40 bucks US at that time was for a kid to ask. <laughs> My dad did it. He wrote the check. And so then for a month, more, almost more than a month, I would wait every night. And uh, a couple of the neighbors, you know, the UPS truck, that was the, that's the big shipping company over here back then. A couple of the neighbors would get deliveries every once in a while. So you knew what the, the UPS truck sounded like when it would come down the street. And I would wait every night. Maybe that's the truck that's going to bring <laughs> whatever this thing is. You know? And and eventually one night it showed up 
And there was this big box, cardboard box, and I open it up, and there's the fourth Ed box set. And I was stunned. I never didn't know what miniatures were, tabletop wargaming, didn't know anything about it. And there it was. It op- I opened it up, and there's just plastic sprues of goblins and elves. And I was hooked. And that was it. <laughs> so, and and much like, you know, much like the, the nostalgia of the old hammer movement that started, it's the same thing, right? It, somebody described, actually, I think it was the uh, Blue in Vermont, Chris, described old hammer as, you know, it started really as nostalgia for third edition. But old hammer is really whatever edition of Warhammer was when you started. And I think that's perfect. Because for me, it was fourth edge. And that's the one that, you know, is close to my heart. That's the one that I love. Yep, I'm, I'm 100% with you, mate. Exactly. So even though, like, for me, like like you, I started with HeroQuest, and I, I sent away for that little booklet. Yep. Um, that cost a lot of money, actually. I think it cost, like, $10 back in the day that we had to send for them to send, like, a return envelope uh, for them to send it back to us. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> man, like yeah, exactly. I I love that little red booklet, and I I wish I still had it as well. I need to go and track it down. I'm I'm sure somebody out there will be generous enough to sell it or um, give it away to somebody or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, that actually had the third edition. Uh, it actually didn't have fourth fourth edition yet. It had like the third edition um, hardcover rule book, uh, like advertised in there, and like the old epic system, like the oh, first yeah. edition epic and. <laughs> Uh, like Road Trader 40K and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, much like you, mate, I sort of got into that that kind of around that kind of time and um, picked up the third edition um, rule book. Never never played the game, but fourth edition was the real sort of um, the, the the game for me. Like the, when I really really got into it and started playing it because it came with all the um, miniatures and everything. Right. So it was so difficult to get into it otherwise. Yeah, and it was perfect because. You know, we opened the box. I then spent the next, I don't know how many nights and days and weekends clipping all the miniatures, putting them together. You know, I don't know, don't know anything about mold lines. You're just gluing them, not even gluing, just jam them right into the base. And I mean, we read the rule book and then I convinced, I don't know if it was my brother. My brother never really liked it. Uh, a friend down the street to come over and we set up in the family room right on the floor, got a blanket. Basically, exactly everything Rick Priestley recommends to start out. Took books, put them under the blanket. There's our hills. Use the cardboard cutouts for, you know, the the wyvern and the chariot. And then we just started playing. And, you know, butcher the rules, doesn't matter. Having a great time. It was just like everything in your, your child's imagination of mass fantasy battles was there now on my floor. And it was awesome. And, and, you know, I'd always liked modeling and putting together kits and building spaceships and all that sort of stuff. But this was, you know, my dad, it definitely started with my dad where he loved to put model ships together. And then it was for him, it was really uh, model railroading. So as a kid, we grew up every Christmas, my dad would bring out the railroad platform that he would work on every year and add stuff to it. And, and we would help him. And that was cool. So I think, I think that's where the modeling bug came from. And then my mom loved to uh, make sure we were interested in in the arts and crafting. And so it was just the perfect setup where 
bang. <laughs> Fantasy, miniatures, painting, playing games, all mixed up together. And I was hooked. Yeah, he actually got a really similar background to me because, like, my, my dad got me into um, doing model railway when I was, like, really young. And um, we had, like, a whole big setup in our one of our spare rooms there and we like made this paper mache yeah. uh, tunnel and all this kind of stuff so a lot yeah a lot of modeling skills and that kind of stuff sort of came into play um and um and then later got into like the tamiya model kits and was like really fascinated with the catalogs and all the dioramas and all that kind of stuff those guys are making back then. And you're just staring at it as a kid and you're like this is amazing yeah, I couldn't believe like human people had actually right. made these kind of incredible uh dioramas or just yeah, I think they're some of the best dioramas I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah. uh, I haven't seen anything that's come close to those. And that was like, you know, how many years ago now? Thirty yeah. odd, more than thirty odd years ago now. Yeah. yeah now that I think about it, and this is kind of a tangent, but you know, you've seen where tabletop wargaming and the scenery and building terrain is starting to merge closer to uh, the model railroading and. Uh, you know, a lot of the historical model kit uh, hobbies where, you know, a lot of what we have to do is it's got to be rough and tumble and be able to handle the wear and tear of gaming. So it's a little different than perfect display style railroad layout. So, but, you know, as you kind of veer into looking for supplies and whatnot, you look over there and you know, there's so much more you can do. And and they've they've got it all figured out already. Sometimes I think we're we're catching up to that. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, man. I think in, yeah, in, in that regard, I think we are. We're sort of like following in their footsteps and that kind of thing. And yeah, um, yeah, using all their materials and knowledge and that kind of stuff to make our own kind of scenery elements and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think so, uh, I think for me, yeah, because I had done a lot of modeling uh, the prior years, I had already known, you know exacto knife for modeling knife safety and glue and you know get a couple cuts here and there and you kind of learn that as growing up uh when it's safe to be able to use all that stuff and then at that point i, I was either 14 or 15 and now i know how to use clippers safely i know how to use exacto knife and not cut myself uh and glue my fingers together although you you always end up pulling your feet i still do that <laughs> me too <laughs> so, don't worry about it uh, i still end up cutting myself yeah, and yeah. gluing myself together yeah <laughs> It's one of the joys of the hobby, really. Yeah, isn't it? definitely. <laughs> okay, so you got the fourth edition set. Did, what, did your father think it was a worthy investment at the time? I, I have no idea. I think then, <laughs> then the unending purchasing of miniatures began, and he just didn't understand what the heck is this? What are these guys? And, uh, but. You know, what I think he did see was I fell in love with something and it was very similar to the model railroading where, you know, you're building layouts and, you know, we would set up these ginormous games where we would hand or, you know, from scratch, build all the terrain, build the buildings and paint it and just spend hours upon hours building this stuff. And it looked pretty cool when you would set it all up. Um, but then... You know, at that point, then I had a, you know, I had a job, and now I'm saving my own money, and that was the big key. Is, then you're saving your own money and spending it, and then you're doing all the, uh, 
can I, how many models can I get for <laughs> 10 bucks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I will say, so can I get the book and that box set had, uh, you know, the army books had not been released yet. So I, and I, now I have three copies of it that that white pamphlet Warhammer armies that came with it was just kind of starter lists. Mm-hmm. And I began, so my first love was chaos, um, but they didn't have a book. There were no pictures. And I was not aware of third edition or any of that, you know, those books. Uh, so then there was a, you know, there were no hobby stores like this near me. I grew up uh, uh, not too far outside of Philadelphia and outside of Atlantic City in New Jersey, along the beach. And, you know, no hobby stores. So we just started playing. But then, you know, I'm flipping through. I, I, I did get a white, I think it was a white dwarf. I don't know how I found out that there was a games workshop store in Philadelphia. So I took a trip up to Philadelphia and they managed to set up a intro game for me. And I, this is the first time I walk into a games workshop store and there are just blister packs on the wall, miniature cases full of painted miniatures. I, it was unbelievable. And, uh, the store manager, set up an intro game for me and he he played orcs and goblins and i got to play chaos because that was the army i wanted to play and they had a painted fully painted armies ready to go just put them on the table back in the the days of eight foot by four foot tables just majestic and i played with a painted beastman unit which was awesome and then the the uh, snotling pump wagon across from me destroyed everything (laughs) which was just (laughs) fantastic and and then I bought my first blister pack of Marauder, the Marauder Beastman that came in that 10 pack. And I think I got oh, the Chaos Knight. So that was the first real metal miniatures that I bought. And then I bought some Chaos Warriors. And so I still have those miniatures, uh, you know, painted terribly. And now I've just repainted, finally painted all 10 of those Beastmen a couple months ago. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. man. You still got them. That's brilliant. I still have them. I, I will say uh, about a year ago, as I maybe it might have been two years ago, I decided I was finally going to tackle my Chaos Army because I never ended up completing it. And so I stripped all of my Chaos Warriors that I had painted. And I now regret I didn't take a picture of the very first miniature I painted. I painted. He was a Chaos Warrior. I still have them. And now I'm like, I should have kept him painted just to, here's the first one I did. And I didn't paint him. I didn't take a, I didn't take a picture and I should have kept it. I, I do regret that. <laughs> well, at least you got, I think at least you still got it, mate. I think the first miniature I painted was the um, Barbarian out of the Hero Quest yes. box set. I think I killed it because I think I dipped it. I think I left it in um, turp, turpentine or oh. something like that or whatever it was and just melted it. Melted it. Yeah. it. That's, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, back in the day when I first started painting miniatures, um, and I, I bought the metal miniatures like yourself, I went to the store and finally found some place that actually sold these things, and uh, you know, take them home and uh, you know, prime them, that kind of thing, paint them. And I didn't know, and at that time, I didn't know anything about stripping miniatures. I had no idea about you know taking the paint off them and that kind of thing and starting again. Right. So I would actually, I would actually chuck them out in the bin. <laughs> I'd like go. Oh, no, this this looks terrible, and then I'll just, I'll just throw I'll throw it in the bin and just you know buy another one. So, 
Yeah, crazy. Oh. Absolutely crazy. That's funny. So, so yeah, you found that you found the Games Workshop, then you 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 sort of discovered Chaos, and you bought your own uh, first metal miniatures and that kind of thing. So, were were you always sort of stuck on uh, like or hooked on Chaos, or were other armies tempting you? So the funny thing was, then I started getting some friends involved, and we start playing, and then the army books start coming out. So obviously, here's the Empire. Really, just. Mostly, if you remember, so much text in that that Empire book, uh, and such a colorful army. Uh, so a friend of mine down the street, like, what is this crazy game? So he starts playing. He's collecting Empire. Then the Orcs and Goblins come out. Somebody decides to play Orcs and Goblins. And I want to play Chaos. And all I still have is this this uh, starter army list that's pretty basic, no other rules. And my struggle was no pictures. I don't know how to paint these guys. I don't know anything. So eventually I get fed up with it and right the time right about the time I'm gonna abandon the Chaos Army, the Dwarf Army book comes out and I was done. And then I was dwarves. I switched and collected everything dwarves, loved it. Uh I I really did love so Corn was my Chaos Army and I liked that there was basically no magic. And then this dwarf army comes out and there's still no magic, just all the awesome runes. And I don't have to deal with the magic phase. And I just can auto dispel everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So love the dwarves. Another guy played high elves. So now you've got a lot of the super high magic, but dwarves with the innate four plus dispel. So that was, that was fine for me. And I, I do remember that that one summer when the after the Dwarf Army book came out and I started, I had collected enough of the miniatures to, to really build the army. I cleared out a section of our garage, set up a table, and set up a painting table. And that whole summer, I just plowed through and painted my entire Dwarf Army because I, I was sick and tired of having metal or plastic. I wanted a fully painted army. And I did it. And man, it was it was hot. There was no air conditioning in the garage. <laughs> we didn't have air conditioning anyway, but just sitting out there sweltering, listening to music and painting. And I completed the whole thing. And that is my to this day, my painted dwarf army is still the same painted dwarf army from that summer. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, since then I've been collecting more stuff for, for the units that I always wanted to, to add to it. Uh, and then I learned my lesson from that chaos warrior. I am not stripping this army. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, mate. Okay, I, I, I'm uh, as, you, as you probably know, a huge dwarf fan as well. And um, I always dreamt of having a dwarf army, but uh, the realization that all these metal monitor miniatures were going to cost me an absolute fortune, and I couldn't afford them. So I think I just stuck with the high elves that came in the. Um, the box set from fourth edition, yep. but um, yeah, never regretted that either. I think I think they're a beautiful looking army too. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're all being tempted at some point with different various different armies because they come out and they're all shiny and new and they look very glamorous in their new army book and that kind of thing and they're the sort of new hotness. But yeah, I think we all have our sort of uh, you know back back in the in the past we all have our favourites that we 
sort of cling to and never sort of give up and uh, hold on forever. Yeah, those are those are the so, two for me. And yeah. and the same thing with the the it cost a fortune for those those metal miniatures. The only reason I was able to do it was we found a hobby shop uh, in another town up the road that was having a clearance sale. They were just getting rid of all of their their games workshop stuff. And so we went in there and just we bought basically the entire stock. And so that yeah. was basically how I got my my dwarf army. And then I was able to save up and, you know, buy a throne of power and an anvil of doom and all the big kits as they came out. But the majority of my infantry was purchased <laughs> really in that one day of clearance sale. Nice, mate. That's awesome. So I was fortunate. Yeah, well, I, I actually had a, like a complete dwarf army when I went when I went to the UK, and um, just to give a bit of background to it, if people don't know that, uh, yeah, I used to ha- I used to have a, like a huge dwarf army, like just a massive one, because I went to the UK, worked for Games Workshop, right. went to their foundry uh, in the UK, Nottingham, and um, and like part of as part of your and like your orientation, you could uh, go to the foundry, and then you could select whatever miniatures you wanted to buy on the day and they'll just, they'll just weigh it and you just pay the weight yep. of the lead that you bought. So it's like a lot <laughs> cheaper than buying at retail, that kind of thing. So yeah, I just grabbed a whole box and I just filled it full of dwarves and it was only dwarves, nothing else. And um, it was so heavy that uh, as my, as I was traveling around the UK, I had to actually start giving it away to people because <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't bear t- <laughs> the weight the of weight. This, this huge box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a dwarf, basically. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sort of stout and strong enough to hold, you know, to be able to carry all this stuff. That's pretty funny. So I sort of gave it away along the way, and and then when I got to back to Australia, I don't think there was anything left, really, or well, not much. So it's only been the last, I think, two years that I've um, went on you know, Facebook and just rebought my entire collection, basically. Oh, I I ended up doing the same thing where, uh, you know, when I got to college, then I, you know, stopped playing i obviously couldn't bring all my miniatures with me and you know college is what it is and uh so then you start needing some money so i started selling off a large majority of the collection on a website Mm -hmm. back then called uh barter town and you know then when i eventually got back in i realized i found myself recollecting all the things i sold which you know Mm -hmm. later kicking myself (laughs) <laughs> that was kind of stupid yep, but we all yep, done it there, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because I had a similar uh, stroke of luck where so I basically once we started playing we were playing every week you know every Friday night we'd play uh, a buddy had a basement that we just kind of took over during high school and we would play and uh, then you know then we got driver's license could drive a car and then through college I so Games Workshop US started this program called the Outrider program. And so I joined that in its initial wave of Outriders. So we were basically volunteers that ran demonstration games all throughout the US. So whenever a new army book or a new edition of any of the games came out, Games Workshop would send us the new edition for free. <laughs> And, but the deal was you had to paint everything, learn the rules, and then go and run a bunch of demonstration games within however many months. I forget I forget the program. But that was great because then 
you would do the same thing where you would either after you ran a game submit your the game the report that you did how many people signed up uh and then you got like a i don't know if it was a 50 or 100 whatever it was you got credit that you would fill in with the mail order and then so every demonstration game you ran i would get product and then we would go down when they would run uh, games day in Baltimore, Maryland. We would be part of the volunteer staff to help run the games day. And then through that, you, you were able to do the same thing, go in the factory, give them your list. And then it was all based on weight and you would come home with <laughs> pounds of metal that you, you bought at cost. Mm. And so, you know, that certainly contributed to my massive uh, lead mountain but awesome, it was great getting, awesome. yeah. yeah, getting to kind of be sort of part of Games Workshop while in school and not a full time job. But we were, you know, we were you know, had red shirts and the whole bit, and then be part of Games Day. Now I remember going to the very first Games Day in the U.S. in Towson, Maryland, a very small little town, and that was when Man of War came out. So we we just played right. played Man of War like crazy. And then I joined the Outrider program, and then I was running Games Day as part of the staff, the Games Day staff, for a number of years. I, I think the last one I went to was that I was part of it was maybe 2002, 2004, I forget. But that was awesome, just being part of Games Day. You know, and you just, you're there Thursday, they would give you every year a kind of a, here's a preview of what's going on for the year. And then you'd get all pumped up, set up the tables for the giant Baltimore Convention Center. And then you're just looking out the window, just hundreds of people waiting to get in. And then they would come in and it was off. Just three days of running games and buying stuff. It was great. <laughs> that sounds brilliant, mate. Yeah, I would have loved to have been to like one of the, um, the U.S. Uh, games days. Yeah, we could only see them sort of through the white dwarves in Australia when the uh, Golden Demons, uh, you know, awards were uh, featured in, in those white dwarves. Yes. So we had a bit of a glimpse of what, you know, the US um, Games Days were like. But they looked pretty epic and, you know, obviously massive. They were huge. Being in the States, yeah. And I remember one year we played, uh, we, we set up a 40K table that the day before... And that was the other thing. We built all the tables from scratch. So mm. you would spend a day or two prior in, in a mad rush at the Games Workshop uh, headquarters in the U.S. in the you know, the hobby room, which was a huge room, and just building tables with spackle and, and foam boards. And so we built this huge 40K table that was basically a beach landing like D-Day. And so we just invented all the rules had a huge cannon in the middle and built scratch built uh, the landing craft. So you had Imperial guard versus chaos, uh, uh, chaos planetary defense uh, army. And it was just on un- It just ran all day. It never ended. So as people would die, we'd just give them new landing craft and just keep trying to take the beaches. And then every once in a while, you know, a giant pie plate would just blow up everybody. It was, it was great. <laughs> I'll never forget that game. Sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant, man. And how, how big is your dwarf army now? How many points is it, would it be in fourth edition? So, do you think? The, 
highest it got was about 5,000 points. Um, Now, I wonder back then how much of that was based on, you know, putting runes on everything. But that was part of the fun, right? Yeah, true. Exactly. That was like one of the most unique things about the dwarves. Yeah. It was like, you know, craft your own weapons and that kind of thing. And I would paint for certain weapons. I would paint the dwarf rune on there. And then, you know, I figured out the, because they had the list of the the rune language. And so you'd try to paint it on there and, and that was fun. How many gyrocopters do you have? I have one painted. Uh, I have three somewhere in a blister. (laughs) Three? Yeah. At some point I should, I should build those. Yeah, I recently discovered these things, these gyrocopters. I never had them before. I did actually have the models. I never played with them because um, I, I didn't really, play, I didn't actually play with the dwarf army as, as much. Really, I, I just had the models. I didn't really actually play with the army. Right. So it was only recently I actually started playing with them. But the gyrocopters are just absolutely amazing. Like you would just never go home without them. Like you know, they're just so incredible. They just give the dwarf army so much movement and um, versatility that way that um, you always sort of on the back lines, you know, sort of hovering around the flanks of units and sort of, you know, just toasting them from afar. It was great. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. And, and without any cavalry or fast moving anything, exactly. you know, that yeah. was my, that was my way to get across, just screw up the plans or try to take care of the, uh, you know, the opponent's artillery or war machines uh, and generally just give them an annoyance because now they have to think about this thing over here flying. And hide behind yeah. the trees. Yeah, they're really cool. So, like, do you actually actively play, though, like, in your area now? Do you actually have guys that you play with regularly? Uh, yeah, we got a small group here. Uh, sometime around 2009, I kind of returned to the hobby. You know, I had stopped, got a job, started real life, and, uh, you know, played here and there, or painted here and there. Um, but then... 2009 got kind of back to playing 40k and then 2012 was when I started up the blog and really it's just a way for me to chronicle stuff for myself um, and that's when we started and I, I introduced two of my friends to it and they had never played before so we had settled on 6th edition just because at the time it was very prevalent and a new version was coming out so I said well, we can find, like, I happen to have, I don't even know why I had this, almost all the army books for 6th edition, but I had never actually played 6th edition. <laughs> this typically happens. Right, yeah, yeah. So I was like, look, I have all the army books. Pick an army. You, you know, you don't have to buy it because I have it. And uh, hmm. so we started playing. And then, and then Age of Sigmar came out. And I got to tell you, while the loss of the old world was a shame and still kind of hurts because the, you know, all those years of building up the stories, uh, the gameplay of the game was so much more freeing and allowed us to do stuff that like, it wasn't painful to play at that point. Mm-hmm. Warhammer had gotten almost painful to play. Uh, and so we started playing age of Sigmar rules in the old world. So just, playing all the old stuff, just using Age of Sigmar rules because it was just easier. And, uh, but then 
probably a year or two ago, uh, I brought out the fourth edition rules because I was just curious and we played a game and it was amazing because when you just go back to fourth edition, there weren't all those rules. Like, yeah, some of the stuff's a little wonky and it doesn't really work as well. Uh, but it didn't have all the cruft of trying, trying to get it perfectly correct. It was pretty simple and you just played it. And it reminded me of why we fell in love with it when we were teenagers. Cause you didn't have to worry about all this stuff. And if the rule wasn't clear, you just kind of made it up. Like who cares? Let's roll a die. Yeah. So, uh, now we're all, you know, we all have, uh, jobs and family so that free time to play isn't as much so we probably play you know a couple times a year our big thing now is there's some you know i also got into pretty heavily into historical gaming now and we go to some of the historical conventions here on the east coast so now a lot of the gaming happens a couple times a year at the convention uh whether it's warhammer or any of the various historical games uh, that we play, we're kind of deep into Frostgrave and Inner Majesty's name and to the strongest for some ancients and all the things that I never thought I would like. <laughs> now, sign of getting old, mate. That's what. It yeah. Is. Now I love every period. I love playing World War One on the tabletop and every different scale. We play ten millimeter World War One, uh, six millimeter. War of Spanish Succession for a <laughs> very obscure conflict. Well, that's cool, mate. That's good. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of branching out in a little bit of historical doing like Test of Honor. I still haven't had, had a game of it yet, but I've got the rules and I'm really quite, quite keen on playing that because it looks very interesting. Yeah, I've heard that's um, pretty good. Yeah, and I, I love I love games with cards in it and, and you know, the... the um, the uh, the theme of the game really interests me in that sort of Kurosawa kind of samurai, right? Um, that's a, that kind of game. So, well, I know uh, that some of the games we play historical that we like are. Uh, uh, there's a game called Maurice, and that's what we use for War of Spanish Succession, and it's card driven. You know, there's still dice, mm-hmm. but uh, Sam Mustafa, he he releases through his Honor game. Uh, game company heavily card driven games and and a lot of folks I know kind of turn their nose up at it but we love the card driven games it's just different it's a different way to play Hmm. yeah cool mate that's awesome so do you have a do you have a particular favorite uh, battle that you faced uh, your friends with in in the in the times gone by oh yeah there's a (laughs) There's one that is down in our, in the the lore of our friends' battles during, during those times in the basement. Uh, we would get together. So in our group, we had, uh, I had the big dwarf army. We had a big orc and goblin army, and the high elves. Uh, so we would, uh, three of us would get together and try to organize these huge battles. Uh, so you'd have all the evil forces or the other side versus your dwarves and high elves, or, or we just try to get as many miniatures as we could on the, on the table. And we had scratch built this very big mountain, uh, and a 
couple large hills. And I remember we had the orcs and goblins on the one side and then the high elf player pulls out the assault of stone with the total power. Mm-hmm. So we can't dispel it. And, you know, the majority of the orcs and goblins were deployed on this hill. And sure enough, that hill starts moving and they all take whatever the damage was. It wipes out half of the orcs and goblins. And then <laughs> that hill just kept basically chasing the army across the, ta- the table. And, <laughs> yeah, to this day, we, we talk about it. And, you know, looking back, we definitely butchered the rules. I'm sure we got it wrong. But it was so fun, it didn't matter. And, and we'll never forget the Assault of Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did forget to make this when, when we actually started getting back into playing well, actually fifth edition uh, here in here in Tokyo. Yeah, uh, one of the guys uh, brought a high elf army, and I totally forgot about that assault a stone spell. So he played it, and um, and I had my like two units on a hill on the back line, and being a dwarf, being a dwarf, <laughs> yes. of course, you know, sitting right in the back and uh, hugging that back line and, you know, just, you know, taking pot shots. And I was going really well at, my, at that time. I was going really so so well with the cannons and all of my war machines and everything was all firing on target. And I was going, yeah, this is pretty good, actually. I'm, I'm going quite well until the spell came out. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like a really nasty spell. I, I kind of remember that. And then um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a scroll. I, I'd like the uh, runesmith had, like, one of the runes to dispel it. Yeah. And I thought, no, no, I'll, I'll let it go through. I'll, I'll play this dispel card. And, uh, of course, I failed it. Of course, and he got it off, and then he he like totally decimated like two of my units and basically won the game. So oh, that spell, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yep, I won't forget that one <laughs> next time. That's for sure. Yeah, we had another one where uh, we had a couple friends team up to play the orcs and goblins, and uh, I think I was playing the dwarves, and I remember because the the other goblin player would didn't move his units at all. The entire battle, and <laughs> so the other guy kept getting frustrating because uh, you know he set up this whole grand plan and it's it's all hinging upon this giant goblin unit attacking, and he just was didn't move, and we to this day can't figure out why. I don't know if he was afraid of using losing miniatures or what, but <laughs> yeah. you got fanatics. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Never moved. Wow. He won't, he won't survive long yeah. as a goblin. Yeah, that didn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely a dwarf inside, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right up my alley. Just sit here and shoot you. Yeah, that's it. Lots of cannons. Yeah. So, yeah, with the lockdown, uh, you know, obviously we're not getting games in, and that's where I started saying, well, let me try to try some solo gaming just to see what it's like. And it's been pretty pretty fun to just put the tape, the, put the armies out just to make it look cool and then try to play it out just for the, see what happens in the story versus the rules. Cause I'm not trying to win. Who cares? Just trying to play out the story. And that's, that's what I've been doing recently. these last uh, couple weeks. Yeah. Cause I think that you, you shared a video with us on the hero hammer group of your setup. Oh uh, yes. Um, and you know, you had like, you, you just painted those nice backdrops and that kind of thing as well. And, um, it looked really interesting. I just hadn't had time to have a look at it uh, in full yet. I just watched the first video, but they looked quite cool. And uh, I, was, I was thinking, thinking, oh, he, he must be playing it solo because I couldn't see anybody else there. But he had the beer. Yeah. 
So yeah, definitely the beer. <laughs> that's like the main ingredient that you should have when you solo game. Yes, <laughs> definitely love a beer. Yeah. So my boys love it. My uh, my kids are uh, the little guy just turned six, and yeah. my oldest will turn nine, and they like to help me play when they get up in the morning, and we. So we turn we played turn four yesterday. Uh, I like to roll the dice, so I get a couple. I'll get a couple turns in at night, and then they like to see what happened overnight. Come down into the game room and see it, oh, and then we played through a yeah. through turn four. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, it's lovely. I eh? get any kids involved. It's good, eh? Yeah, they love. Uh, they like playing Inner Majesty's name and Frostgrave and and painting their own miniatures. So that's a good time. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's good it's good family time too for like you know younger kids and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I always encourage that. Even my son, like he's only you know three and a half, but like today we played um, Advanced Hero Quest, uh, like over online kind of thing. Right. Like I was playing it with another guy who had, had, had the game board set up and that kind of thing, and I was just sort of getting to move the, the characters around. And my son was just rolling the dice. He didn't know what he was doing, yeah. but you know I said yeah, like you know it was sort of like you know cheered and yelled when something went right and then just you know in dismay when it, he rolled a one it was like a, a fumble or something and i got smacked over the head by some giant rat yeah. or something like that but yeah no it's really good it's it's really encouraging and it's and you know we all do it now because we're all in that sort of age age group where we've got kids and uh it's just a nice time uh like a bit of family time together yeah we've been playing uh hero quest uh recently oh, cool. the last couple of weeks uh i broke out the game and uh, the boys are on the on the quest, and they'll each take two of the characters, and I'll you know be Zargon and and GM the game, and they really love they love playing Hero Quest, and it's helping now because uh, as they begin to be able to read, um, mm. they can figure it out and read the cards and and try to kill oh, the goblins. Really, there's some really interesting language on those cards. Oh yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I teach, I teach, um, I teach English to like uh, like junior high and high school kids here in Japan. So I thought one day, hey guys, do you want to play a board game? Oh yeah, that sounds good. So I brought Hero Quest in because I'd recently bought it from a guy here locally, and I thought, you know, I'm probably never going to get a chance to actually playing it with a group of guys here. Right. So I thought I'll bring it in for these guys and see how they go. And I've got one of one of like, was three girls and one boy. And the girls got really into it. And like one of the girls was like the GM and, you know, she really enjoyed it. And she was, and the kids were like reading the stuff on the cards. And it's like this really old sort of school English language. And, you know, it was quite funny, but they did it. They, they really enjoyed it. Yeah. It it's cool. funny. Cause I, yeah. one of the cards as uh, my eight year old was reading it, you know, I stumbled over a couple of the words cause they're kind of old style English. So I had yeah. it like, Oh yeah, you're not going to know what that you've never seen that word <laughs> or heard it yeah. <laughs> or ever will. <laughs> so that yeah, means this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, so we've been doing so a lot what, of what... fantasy uh, now that I'm deep in with the fourth and fifth edition. Um, I think I've realized that, you know, as I collect, started recollecting everything, uh, one of the main goals here is to, one, to finish out, you know, the armies that I never finished right i never really finished that chaos army so that's a major project um i built this orc and goblin army when i started playing fantasy game with a couple friends from work mainly as a house army so i speed painted all of the goblins the night goblins in the sixth edition box set i think it was mm -hmm. 
and then just kept collecting stuff. So I've, it's kind of a, a combination between six ed models, fourth and fifth ed stuff, as well as a bunch of, you know, old hammer third ed miniatures that I absolutely love. Cause those goblins are just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of painting going on. Well, that's good because I think a lot of people in this in this lockdown situation really got together and they they probably got online and thought, hey, what what is everybody else doing now in the community and that kind of thing, and discovered all these groups online and and thought, well, you know, I've got all these miniatures at home, sort of stuck away somewhere that I've never painted or touched in so many years, and I think it's, you've seen a lot of great stuff, uh, especially on Facebook, anyway. Yeah, uh, Facebook obviously. obviously. You know, I'm pretty active on Twitter, a lot of, a lot of hobby on Twitter, uh, but the Facebook groups have been great as well. Uh, mostly started with the, you know, the old hammer stuff. And I got into the old hammer cause it, you know, there's nothing, nothing like that third edition style imagery and the atmosphere. Um, you know, it's something I was thinking about was, you know, I really got into the old hammer stuff, but fourth ed, fourth and fifth ed was my that's my thing but i didn't think anybody else liked it mm-hmm. so sure enough i see this facebook group and there's all these people that also loved fourth and fifth edition and you know this is like and, and this podcast is exactly the type of podcast i was always looking for is deep into the lore of fourth and fifth ed and and just all the the crazy zaniness of that time and <laughs> too much red, but it's great. And I'll just, yeah, I'll never too, forget it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I was looking for, sorry, but I was, I was looking for something as well like this, like the hero hammer sort of stuff. And there's nothing out there. No, there's absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah. And, um, it seems a great shame because, you know, like us, you know, we grew up in that kind of nineties games workshop and so many people did too. It just seems really weird that it never sort of, um, it never retained anything because like sixth edition has a lot of uh, people following that uh, even to this day, but right. for some reason, fourth and fifth just didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. Like, you know, sixth ed is where they really, I do, I do understand that the, the rule set took an, a step forward to being, <clears throat> more, excuse me, more tight. You know, the rules were tighter you could play a lot more competitions. And I know in the U S that's really when things exploded for the uh, tournament style gaming. It's also coincidentally when I stopped uh, actively playing Warhammer. Um, that's when I took my detour into uh, Necromunda and 40 K and got really heavy into 40 K. Um, but you know, the, the fourth and fifth ed doesn't really lend itself to that type of balanced tournament style gaming just because of the you know the hero hammer stuff so i understand it but from a gameplay just fun perspective the fun in my opinion is where it's at in in fourth and fifth because of all the crazy characters and special characters and and anything can go wrong at any time and that's part of fun yeah, I, I, I like you, you know, I like all the randomness to it kind of thing. I don't want it to be, otherwise you might as well just play a historical game. I mean, you know, nothing against historical games, but they're kind of pretty cut and dry. Right. Um, as far as what things are going to happen and what things can do. So, 
you know, uh, including all those charts and tables where you got to roll on everything to see what happens. And, you know, things might go boom or things might go really well for you. Or, uh, you know, I really love, I love, I've loved that kind of um, uh, depth to the game uh, mechanically in that sense. Um, yeah, I know, I know it's sort of maybe very dated now compared to a lot of modern games out there, especially like to A Song of Ice and Fire and that kind of thing. But um, it still has its, has its charm. And it still has its sort of goofiness and its lightheartedness to, you know, fantasy. Yeah, so. and I think I, I think you hit it there. Is it was the first big move that Games Workshop made to to attract, like, actively attract younger players. You know, so it's definitely a little more kid friendly from compared to third edition. I say kid friendly, but you know, teenage boys. That's that is the the main. Uh, target audience mm. and it's a little uh zany right and then sixth ed it changed all the atmosphere and it really kind of brought in that kind of the grim dark atmosphere from uh 40k and it lost i, I thought it lost the color literally in the army books it lost the color <laughs> yeah but uh like you said if you're playing a fantasy game uh, but I don't want any magic or monsters that kind of messes up the game. Well, you're playing a fantasy game. That's the whole point, you know. And if I want to play medieval historicals, I'll play that because uh, it's a different. If it's a different game, but you're right that it's the charm of that time. It's crazy and it's great. That's what made it fun. Yeah, I think I think we're the right age group, really, aren't we? Like we're the right target age group to enjoy something so crazy and fun like that. Yep, that's, that game. was us. <laughs> and then, as you get older, and you think, oh, I'm sort of sick and tired of being absolutely, you know, smashed on the first turn by some, you know, uh, concoctive, uh, you know, list of um, magic items and uh, all these kind of things that you know tricks tricks up on this character. That he's riding some dragon, isn't it? you know, absolutely annihilate me in the first or second turn. <laughs> and maybe that's why the people sort of drifted away and sort of, you know, looked, looked at other things and uh, wanted some more more balance and, um, and uh, some more seriousness to it. Yeah, and I think yeah. now, now just kind of re, uh, re-entering into fourth and fifth ed playing, you already know the balance, so I don't care about balance. I'm, I just care about a fun story and I want the characters on the board. And if somebody blows up on the first turn, that's, that's great. That's an interesting story. And I always like the stories, you know, I'm, and my hobby is all of it, right? I love the paint. I love the play. And I love the narrative and reading, uh, you know, reading all the stories and loving the lore, um, but if the story's fun on the tabletop, that's that's the best part. And I want it to look good. I want I try to have all fully painted everything. Cause to me that the imagery of the armies on display on the table is what really sells it. And sometimes I'll just set it up and then before the battle just stare at it because it looks cool. Yep, I'm with you there, mate. Yeah, I've got my table set up now actually. I'm gonna play a game tomorrow, but I've had it set up for the last week and um i just like having it set up so i can just look over the uh the grass the grasslands yeah. there the hills and the scenery and uh the buildings there and that kind of thing so i can sort of Im- imagine in my mind how the how the game's going to look and um you know aesthetically I'm, I'm very much a you know visual person so 
it has to look good for me in order to get into a game. Right. Like, historical stuff too. Like I can look at, you know, even though I'm not really into historicals, but I love the look of historical gaming, like the um, the layouts those guys put together, the beautifully painted miniatures and the terrain and the um, enormous amount of work and craftsmanship that's gone into those tables. That's really something to appreciate. Yeah, the historicals, once I got into that, that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast. But uh, the yeah. cons that we go to over here, uh, the big one, the historic con and uh, Fall In and Cold Wars, these are all run by one of the gaming societies on the East Coast, HMGS. Uh, when you go to those conventions, the, the GMs put so much time and effort into these amazing boards mm. and all the different scales, you can really just, again, stare at it. And another another un, unintended uh, consequence of the hobby is now I'm getting into photography and I love to take pictures of the game boards or the miniatures and it just, just to set that atmosphere. I just think it looks great. Nice. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's good. It's a good way to document things. And you you said you had, you had a blog or something, is that right? Oh yeah, it's a, you know one of the yeah. blogspot blogs uh, where I randomly will update things or post pictures or sometimes battle reports uh, or what I'm working on. Oh, cool. Okay. Do you do you have a like a blog uh, spot name for that? Oh yeah, it's uh, getfreshmilk.blogspot.com. I can. Uh, okay. I'll I'll send you the the link. Yeah, please do, mate. We'll we'll um, we'll add it to the show notes so people can have a look at it. That's cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah I post awesome. a lot of. You know, I'm not as frequent as I should with the updates, uh, but I try to I try to keep it as up to date as I can. And sometimes it'll literally be posting the inventory of the models in <laughs> like in my empire oh, box. Check that out, yeah, yeah oh, just awesome. to remember, like, oh yeah, I have yeah. all these guys that I got to paint. <laughs> That's awesome. I've got to check that out just to, just to have a look through the inventory of what you have there because that's nice to just look through anyway to see what people have in their collections. Um, and it's not often that people actually yeah write an inventory for all the collections. So, okay, that sounds interesting enough. Just can have a look at that. It'd be cool. It's more startling than anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I didn't realize I had all that. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, well, that's good. That, that, that way you've got a, a nice record and you can sort of start planning of, um, you know, your painting and, uh, you know, how you're going to paint it and, in what sections and what blocks make an army list and go from there. That's, that's definitely part of the, the motivation behind writing it down and then mm. not losing the piece of paper that I wrote it down. So if I stick it on the blog, there it is. I can go back and look at it and then start to mentally prepare. And I have so much empire stuff. I'd like to get enough of it on the table. I have a fully painted empire army at this point, but there's so many other things that I'm, I'm planning on working on. I just got myself a war altar. I'm trying to hunt down a war wagon. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm, I've got a war wagon. I'm trying to. I'm trying to hunt down a um, war altar. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. You can find the war altars. I I never liked that model. I always hated it. But you know, one of the things that I'm doing is trying to look back at the white dwarves of the army books and those pictures or battle reports that I always loved and would stare at for hours. I'm trying to recreate those where I can. And so one of the battle reports that I'm going to play has a war altar. So I realized, well, I need to have one. And I think the Empire Army of that era needs to have it just to be complete. So 
Absolutely. Now I need a war wagon. And I had one. Oh, again, good. sold it in high school or in uh, college. Now I got to find it again. Uh, mate, you'll find it. Don't worry. They're out there. Um, yeah, I need to be patient. Yeah, some... yeah, that's it. Just be patient, mate. They're out there. Some guy posted one up on for sale in the Australian uh, Old Hammer group for like 70 bucks. Yeah. And I was just just jumped on it straight away. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll grab that. And he goes, and he sends a message. He goes, oh, actually, my mate down the road, he actually wanted it. He he wants it now. So oh. I'll, see, I'll see if he wants it first. And if he doesn't want it, I'll get back to him. I thought, oh, okay. Oh, sort terrible. of come up. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think because it was, it was all complete. It was all unpainted. And it was just missing two tails. And that's okay because I I made some molds up to um, mold up the tails for the horses anyway. Oh, there you um, go. He's missing the heads, and I can mold those up anyway, so I can, I can find the heads for the horses. But yeah, just the actual uh, body and the other parts I, I really wanted. Um, but yeah, it'll come again. I'm not so not so you know, overly obsessed about it now. I'll just sort of just wait and bide my time. You know, something will come up one day. I think that's the the plan I'm going to need for the war wagon is to just just be on the lookout, go to the the flea markets, and see if I can pounce. Um, but not go overboard. I got plenty of things to paint, so. Yeah, mate, they'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> if I do, if I do see one, mate, I'll, I'll let oh, you yeah, know. Oh yeah, please let me know. Uh, they do come up every now and again. Not not very often, but they do come up. So when I, a uh, question for you. I know I never yeah. considered myself a collector until recently, um, and it was more of of just, I guess I was naive at the time, but I never thought. Games Workshop would stop selling certain models, even though, of course, they would. They would just, you know, update the line. But then once I realized that I couldn't get these models anymore and there were certain models I wanted, that's when the the collection began. And now, now with the return, now it's just models. It's really nostalgia, right? Like, I always loved that yeah. model. But so the question was, have you found yourself wanting to collect models that back in the day you, you hated because they're, they were terrible or you just never liked the paint job, but suddenly you feel like you need them in your collection. Cause there's, there's definitely a set of models that I find myself interested in acquiring, but I hated them actually, back in the yeah. day. Yeah. That's a really good question actually, Rob. Yeah. Um, and I would say that is probably true for the undead. Um, undead. Okay. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't give them a second glance back in the day uh, when they first when they first came out. The, whole, the entire range, actually, I wasn't really impressed with. Um, and it's only been probably the last six months or something that I someone sent me a few zombies that paint up for a commission, and I thought, gee, there's some really good miniatures. And it d- didn't actually click with me then. And I thought, I checked the um, I checked the catalog and I thought, yeah, these are actually Gary Morley sculpts ah. from the fourth edition range. <laughs> and um, and I looked through all the other models and I thought, yeah, actually these models are quite good. I just didn't really give them a, a lot of thought or give them enough credit back in the day. But now I really want an undead army, so I'm now sort of trying to uh, scrape together just enough to get like a fifteen hundred point um, list together. I th- and, um, I have the same. I have a couple undead of the characters. Yeah, uh, I've got a vampire that I painted uh, from that same range. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of skeletons from that undead army skeleton box. I think I have two of those actually. Uh, that that was another speed paint. We had a, a game scheduled at the Games Workshop in Philadelphia, and so my friend and I one night 
painted completely painted a undead skeleton army overnight so that we could get to the game the next day <laughs> and i still have that army amazing. that's amazing what uh, uh dry brushing bleached bone and chestnut ink will do to make skeletons <laughs> you can yeah, that's do the studio method too oh yeah, yeah. That's what they did in the studio yeah <laughs> You yeah, it the right way. So yeah. for me, the uh, the army, the army that I hated, I hated the models, I hated the the paint job, everything about it, and now I suddenly feel like I need to have it. Mm-hmm. Is the Chaos Dwarves? Ah, yeah. They came out and they were the big thing, and like that manacore. It was terrible, in my opinion. <laughs> but now I'm looking at the pictures, and I I feel like I need that army painted in that terrible red on my shelf. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's nonsensical and they're very hard to find. So it also would be yeah. almost unaffordable, but it is that kind of white well that's out there. Yeah. No, I, I, I share your sentiments exactly. Like um, they, they were in another army again that I wasn't really all that fussed with, but now looking back, and maybe it is a bit of nostalgia uh, playing tricks on me, but yeah. But um, looking at the models now, I think yeah, they're actually quite cool, and I, I like them. I like the, I really like the plastics actually. The, the monopose plastics for the the Chaos Dwarves are really really nice. Yeah, models. I do like those. Yeah, and I have a that Chaos Rocket, the Chaos Dwarf Rocket, whatever that thing oh, was. Yeah. I have one of those. <laughs> oh, cool! <laughs> it's the only one I have. Only Chaos Dwarf yeah. I have, but. Um, but yeah, I've, I've just started painting one up now for a, another commission, like a trade trade uh, deal with this guy, and um, it's the very first one I've ever painted. But um, uh, yeah, I've, I've sort of got a, a newfound respect for those models now. And uh, if if the chance did come by that someone said, "Hey, you know, I've got a Chaos Dwarf army. You know, could you do it? Could, you know, could you could you paint this stuff in in exchange for it or something?" I might be tempted. Be but, tempted. Yeah. Yeah, might be tempted, but. Um. Yeah, like you know, looking at, I think you got looking at like without sort of lives and how things are going, how things panning out. You got to look at you know how much time do you really have to do, and how much time would you have to realistically paint an army these days? Yeah, that's um, that's a good so. point. That's that's kind of where I am now. Where I'm trying to. So one of my problems with painting is, uh, I love painting. And I would say my, my output over the last couple of years has skyrocketed because I found, I found time to paint. And so I used to, you know, you try to find a three to four hour block, but that yeah. those, those days are over. So I found that I get up early, make coffee and before the rest of the house wakes up, I paint almost every day. Maybe it's just 30 minutes, maybe it's 45 minutes, but I found that I got way better because I'm painting every day. And it's not a chore. It's not waiting when I'm tired at night and you can't, you know, keep your eyes open. I paint in the morning and now it's, it's part of the habit. So my, my production has gone out, but the problem or going up, but the problem I find is getting it done fast enough. And as you look at the time, can you actually paint all this stuff? I'm trying to kind of dial back my standards just to get things completed. Uh, do I really need to spend hours upon hours on these goblin infantry, especially with model certain models? If I don't even like them, <laughs> why, why am I spending all this time? 
Yeah. So I'm trying to yeah. pick and choose the models that I like. I spend more time on them, but the models that I don't necessarily have any love for, or if I, if it's an army that I, I'm more interested in playing the game, not necessarily painting the figures. Then I try to keep that mindset that says I've collected these miniatures and armies so that I can play the game. Cause I'm interested in the game. So I'm trying to just get them done. And if that just means, base coat, ink wash, done. That's great because it enables me to play the game. But, you know, my classic Warhammer models that I love, I'm not rushing those. So it's one of the struggles that I'll have to try to get everything done that I'd like to get done. Uh, So I want to try to spend the time on the models that I like and the armies that I love versus spending a lot of time on miniatures that I'm, collecting and painting to be able to play a specific game, but I don't really care. You know, like my Stormcast, so I have a pretty big Stormcast Eternals army, and I found myself spending a ton of time, and like, I don't I don't necessarily love these models, but I want to be able to play Age of Sigmar at certain points. So I'm trying to not speed paint them, paint them to a good standard, but call them done. They're done. Just move on. <laughs> Spend my time painting Grom. I'd rather do that. Yeah, man, do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get my yeah, get my vote there. For oh, sure. I saw your Grom. But, your uh, Grom is fantastic. I will not uh, meet the same level that you did, but I am. I just finished the chariot. I'm almost done the wolves, and Grom and Niblet are ready to go. Nice, mate. Awesome. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, it's, That's brilliant. Hopefully, in the next week or two. Cool. Yeah, it's like um, I think. I think. Yeah, you. I think. I think you've got to. Like I kept talk, I think I talked to Justin about it before, and I keep you know talking to myself about it. It's just like you know you got to hold back and just say, you know, maybe that's not a good idea to get to invest in something that maybe you'll never finish. Maybe it's um, financially not such a, a a good move just to buy models that you might have sitting on your shelf for like you know months or years on end that you never get to. Um, yeah, it's like a waste. Yeah, right? I don't know. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I should I should have been content with just the dwarf army having all those <laughs> models, spending all that much time painting them and spending all that money buying them. But it's sort of the obsession sort of started that okay, well, I've I've done this now. I want more stuff in my orc and goblin and finish that off, and then you know start another army like high elves that I first started with, and and it just goes on and on like you know down the rabbit hole you go. Oh uh, yeah, and I listened. That conversation was great, and and I. I will say that recently what's been helping and and one of the reasons I started setting up for the solo battles is I wanted to deploy the armies and see what they looked like and then realize, okay, like I've got this unit of halberdiers that are almost done, but the standard bearer is still gray. (laughs) So that looks terrible. And I want to fix that. Right. (laughs) And I don't have an orc rock lobber. So I need to plug that hole. So it's helped to deploy the army and look at it and then realize a little bit of work here finishes the majority of that and a little work over here. And I've got a couple units missing and, and that has helped to, to see what they look like fully painted and see the models that are either units are missing or I didn't finish the, you know, the command group. Uh, I've got this empire mortar that I've had forever Still, I saw that in the video. So I'm painted. Still not painted. It's killing me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, do it, man. It's a nice model, man. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting there. The making progress. Uh, I need to finish the Chaos Army. You know, the, the the initial army that was never finished. I've got the Bloodthirster sitting in a, a vat of uh, pine soul. To I need to strip that that. Even though it was an early model, the the paint was caked on there too much. So I, that's one that I, I feel okay stripping because it was that was an atrocity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Awesome. Okay. Well, I hope I hope you get to finish all your projects because I mean that's that's what we're in it for, isn't it? Like we're you know if you look at if you look at our hobby, it's pretty crazy. Like the amount of hours and time we spend, you know, painting these little miniatures. Yes. I think a lot of people think we're actually crazy, uh, and maybe they're right. Maybe maybe they're. It's yeah, certainly right. certainly the case. Not, I don't know. <laughs> it takes it takes us yeah. <laughs> it takes a very special human being to to take all this yeah, time I know, uh, to do this kind of stuff. So, I, I um, made the jump into competition painting uh, painting recently, uh, and then I started to try to log mm-hmm. the hours, just a rough estimate of the hours on some of those competition miniatures and <laughs> i stopped because it's <laughs> it's frightening how many hours yeah 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 it is mate you got it yeah you got it and i think also like with you know you're talking about the age of sigma stuff and your warhammer stuff you know you got to look at you know if i'm painting something am i going to be playing with it like for now until you know a few years or more in the future or is it going to be like a sort of a uh, a, thing, a project that you know I'm right. just doing it because the guys at the club are playing it and it's the only thing we're playing and you know it might not last forever and it could be just like a six month thing and then yeah and that's definitely and you know my Age of Sigmar army is to be able to play because there's a, a lot of the one of the stores uh, mm. they're huge in Age of Sigmar so if I want to be able to play with that crew I need an army okay so sticking with the Stormcasts I might dabble into a couple things here and there, but it goes back to the, do I want to spend the time painting those things? And it's not allowing me to finish my old chaos army or my old, like other armies in fourth ed that I'd rather uh, get painted because I love those models. Like I love painting the 1980s era goblins and orcs. And I'd rather do that than than yeah. spend a lot of time on some of these other things. So it's a balance. Yeah, you you just got yeah. I think you just got yeah. Just got to you just got to choose what you love and what makes you happy, and that what's going to give you the most enjoyment out of it. I think uh, you know, retrospectively speaking, that um, yes, you know. <laughs> We're not getting any younger, so like my eyes are totally shot, mate. Like I've got to wear magnifying glasses now, so I'm I'm sort of like a bit worried about it. Thinking, geez, if I don't if I don't paint what I want to get painted in the next ten years, you know, oh, I'm, I'm sort of I've worried about my eyesight. Concern. I'm just you know. waiting for that to happen, and that's um, actually why I made the jump for a couple of years into competition painting because I said, well, if I'm ever going to do this, I need to do it now before my eyes go. <laughs> so, so I. I want to yeah, absolutely. paint to yeah. the highest level yeah. that I can while I'm physically capable of doing it. Uh, but yeah. at some point I got to stop. And how, how did you fare? How did you fare with it, mate? It's how kind of funny because uh, I had painted up a, a 
company for a game called In Her Majesty's Name, which is kind of Victorian sci-fi steampunk. And I just entered it on a whim in Historicon, the annual big historical uh, gaming convention here in the U.S. Uh, and it's in co- it's not competition; it's in uh, coordination with War Games Illustrated. They they uh, run the competition, and I placed third unexpectedly. And and thank you, oh, yeah, awesome, and, and it was a shock. Congratulations, yeah. Because I just painted that company to just I I like those I love those miniatures and I just painted them, and so I entered them. I'm like, well, I guess if my my personal standard was good enough to place third, maybe I should try this. And so I entered another. I finally had the the guts to build and paint the orc wyvern, the shaman on the wyvern. And mm-hmm. I, I almost placed, I, I got honorable mention with that. It was because I, I didn't pay attention to the banners <laughs> and the judges told me you probably would have won wow. if you had like paid attention to the banner at the top. Cause I just wow. glued them together and there was, you know, some white showing and I didn't paint it. I just, I just, cause I, again, I didn't paint it for a competition. Ah, it was just on my shelf. I painted it. So I said, all right, well, now I got to try this. And then the same thing happened. I painted uh, the sixth edition giant metal lizard man uh, Stegodon uh, for a, a friend of mine because he, he never wanted to paint it because it's not really his – the assembly of that metal kit and a lot of pinning. And So I painted it for him because I was like, I want to see this on the tabletop against, you know, in your lizard man army. <laughs> So I entered, I know, yeah, exactly. I've got lots of cannons yeah. <laughs> eyeing up it. So I yeah. entered that yeah. and I won yeah. first place. So, yeah, so it's kind of ridiculous. Oh, wow. Uh, Brilliant. So I've done, I know. So, so I told him, I said, give it back to your friends. I think I need to keep this. I will buy another one and paint another one for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's still on my shelf. I got to paint another one for yeah. it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so oh, I, I've done, I think I've done pretty then. well. Yeah, I, I pulled a second with the, the Lord, what the heck was it? The Lord of Decay, Harbinger of Decay, a Nurgle model. I did pretty well with him. Uh, I painted up a Frostgrave unit that, uh, Frostgrave Warband that finished second. So I've, I've done, I think I've done okay. I'd love to pull to, to win the single miniature category i haven't done that that's probably the only mm-hmm. the reason i will keep entering but you do get the bug once you start doing competition painting there's something about it uh it's nerve-wracking it's a lot of time and effort mm. but you have to go into it not expecting to do anything it's because it's really just you're competing with better painters and it makes you it makes you a better painter because you know a, a lot of times i'll look at the entries in the in the display case and immediately know well, there's the winner because it's just amazing, and I'll never be able to paint that well. Yeah, yeah, but it forces you to try, and and get better. And it has, you know, the the results I've I've gotten so much better over these last couple of years doing competition painting. Nice. So the, oh these, yeah, they're, these they're models definitely on, the are blog. on your blog. I, is that right? I was able to achieve 
a lifelong goal of getting a painted miniature in a glossy mag. So they're in a couple of the issues of uh, War Games Illustrated, which is nice, man. That's a. It's basically yeah, it's like the White Dwarf of. That's a big deal. That's a big magazine. Yeah, gaming. It's pretty awesome. So that was a that was a yeah, thrill. So I've got oh, I've got a uh, miniature ready lovely. to go that I've been working on, that was targeted for, this summer's Historicon competition, but obviously Historicon got canceled, along with everything else getting canceled. <laughs> so okay. I'll save him for next year. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nice man, that's good. At least you've got more time anyway, uh, to prepare and that kind of thing, and, and make oh, sure it's your you. absolute best. So I hope I'm trying hard. Hope next time you win, mate, <laughs> for next year. Yeah. Okay. So let let me let me pose a question to you. So if I if I came to the states and saw you and I brought my army, uh, let's see. I'll I'll bring a um. Ooh. What I'll bring? I'll bring my dwarf army. Okay. Now I know I know you've got dwarves as well, but what uh, like I brought? I'll bring two thousand points of uh, of dwarves. What would you like to face with against me with my collection, collection or what? Uh, which. Yeah, of sorry, of, of of an army of your choice mm. from your collection. Uh, what would so, you like to face face my dwarves with? It would depend if it was what do I have painted, <laughs> or what might win, <laughs> or what might give us the best battle, right? <laughs> well, I'll give I'll give you a heads up notice anyway. I'll give you like plenty of notice to say, hey, come on, get your stuff painted up. Yeah, you know, I'll give you like um, give you twelve months. So I would what, probably what go with. The orcs and goblins, uh, just because I've recently nice. been in yeah. building up all the additional kind of war machines and and other units that I never had. Um, so it would it would probably be orcs and goblins. Although I've I've got like thirty five hundred points of uh, painted empire, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous. But, but there's nothing like there's nothing like oh, the right. zaniness okay, of the Orcs and Goblins because yeah. you really don't have to think, you don't have to worry about winning or losing because you don't have any control. You're gonna fail at animosity. I've got a giant. I've got, you know, Doom Divers, two Snotling Pump Wagons, chariots, lots of. Fan- I think I have nine or twelve fanatics. So. The craziness of the Orcs and Goblins always makes for, I, I think, my funnest games, whether I'm facing them or playing them. So that would be the fun. Mm. Yeah. Sounds good, man. That's a classic matchup. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, ho- well hopefully we'll get that, 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 yeah, that would actual, be great. A, an event at some point in the future. <laughs> we, can, we can only dream. Yeah, because I've got so many other people I want to go and game with all around the world. And, you know, yeah, I was looking at... Uh, edition. It'd be awesome. There's another guy on... I think it's on Twitter uh, from, is it Poland? Someone over in Europe. Uh, I think it's Game of Travel. I think that's the Sebastian. Okay, yeah. I've I followed oh, Sebastian. the games yeah. that they've done. And, oh, they're unbelievable. Oh, they're incredible, aren't they? Yeah, well, they, they've got the, uh, every year they play some kind of right, large that's event, what it is. like okay. an old hammer event in Poland. Um, yeah, so that's on the bucket list. Like he sent me an invitation today, actually, to say you know it's on. So I don't know when it's going to be on exactly, but he did send an invitation out 
so he'll he'll advertise it for sure. Um, yeah. So my my <laughs> uh, lot of numbers come up, mate. Me. I'm heading my over. buddy, <laughs> my buddy and I, our our bucket list is yeah. to go to one of the bring out your lead old hammers over at the War Games Foundry. So every year we yeah. say this will be the year yep. that we're going to go because I think it's usually in August or July, and then that would be our chance to go go to Nottingham, go mm. to Warhammer World. I'd love to go see just to walk through the museum and just visit it. I, I've never been, so we'd like to make make the trip out of it. Yeah, mate, that'd be awesome. Hopefully we can get there together anyway. And, and uh, with a lot of other guys who are part of that uh, whole movement now. Uh, because, yeah, I was surprised because I didn't right. think that they would actually play 4th and 5th edition there, but um, they've been playing 4th edition there that just for makes it a number even better. of years now. Like <laughs> a couple of guys, at least. Yeah, which it's made it like, wow, I've oh. got to go. And they, they showed all this epic space. That's another of the projects time, is to, love. to paint up a yeah. Blood Angels epic army with the squares, not the, not the strips. Oh, yeah, definitely. Although I did, yes, I did yes, when squares, 40, please, 40K, uh, when Epic <laughs> Armageddon came out or Epic 40K, when they, the first reboot, because I was, like I said, I was an outrider. So I had to learn that game and play it. I did really like the simplification. The game played fun, but mm. there's just something about the squares mm. and the, you know, five miniatures, the little miniatures all together. I just like the look at of it. Me too, mate. Yeah, even though there's nothing wrong with like doing on on circle bases and that kind of. Because like my mate here in Japan, he does. Oh, he's based his entire yeah, elder okay. army on, on um, like coins. I think he put, he put them in coins or something. It looks really nice, actually. It looks really quite cool. Um, but I, yeah, I just you know I'm just stubborn. I'm just old, and I like I like the old way of things. And you know uh, them being on square bases. Otherwise, it just breaks my mind, and I, I just can't I can't look at them uh, the same way. But yeah, but oh well, I, I didn't know you were into epic. Oh yeah, I, so we'll definitely have, I we'll love definitely bring those just as well, the, the imagery of the epic scale forty k is it's beautiful. And when you just see you know tons of very small miniatures, it really gives you that scale of the game. Um, and I'd love to what you know. There's that whatever that one picture is. I can't remember which white dwarf it's in of. The Blood Angel Epic Army. I think they were attacking either Eldar or no, it was orcs with those kind of uh, pale, beigeous uh, orc buildings. That's in kind of a mountaintop. That's the that's the picture oh, I'd like yeah. to recreate. That's my total motivation for building a Blood Angels army is just to basically retake that picture with my own miniatures, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous. Nice, awesome, man. No, but that's, I love that. I, you know, I, I totally encourage people to do that, like recreate all the old battles in the uh, White Dwarves and and that kind of thing. Um, do you have? Yes, do you have I the have Space that. Battles have book, Titan Legions, because uh, we bought Titan Legions when it came out and played that a lot. That was pretty awesome. Um, I have uh, yeah. Mighty Empires. We played a Mighty Empires campaign once, and like most oh. most campaigns, they peter out. Um, you know, the one thing. I think I posted yeah. this into the group. You know, I am looking for a fourth edition fantasy battle box. I used to have four of them. I now have none of them because they got damaged over the year. Yeah, because wow. ju- at this point, it's the four you know, it's the oh, the edition I love. My collection. I need that box. 
Like, it doesn't make sense that I don't have it. <laughs> yeah, you do need it. Yeah. Well, there's a guy, there's a guy who posted one up. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on that group. Uh, he's in Europe, though. Um, he was just looking to exchange it for some models or something. Or oh, I think I need uh, to relook into that. Or something, I think he, he wanted for it. Yeah, he had, he, oh. like, the only thing that was missing was two magic items. Um, but that was it. Well, What's funny is I don't even need the like stuff really in it. I just so, need the empty um, box. I have, I have all the, I have all the miniatures. Oh, I have just the empty box. Four right. copies okay. of the rule book and the and the bestiary. I just need the box for the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to hunt those down too, mate, because I don't have. I've only got the um, the magic supplement here. Uh, but that's that's sort of like in a pretty right. bad uh, state. Like you know, it's quite worn. Uh, so getting a new box of that, a new box of the, um, the starter set, uh, arcane magic is one of the things I really need to hunt down. Yeah, as well. I think uh, it's on the shopping list. One, of, I have one of them. Uh, I'm missing one of the others. I have the books, so I at least have the, the magic books. But I have the battle magic set with the, yeah. the cards. That's what I've been using for the games I've been playing now. Is is that first reboot of the magic set. It's just easier from a gameplay perspective. So I know I know you love fourth like I do, and um, and as I'm as I'm talking to you and maybe people are wondering <laughs> what the hell is Josh doing in the background because I can hear these hear him blowing on something and um, clipping something or whatever, but I'm actually rebasing my oh, very nice. for a battle we're gonna play tomorrow. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be on like over the over the web. So I've got my mate; he's in Japan too, and we're going to try okay. to do it over the web. And I'm going to just move the stuff around and and that kind of thing. <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes. It might be a complete failure, and and uh, we're just going to try it because we've never done it before. But we're we're, we're going to try these Warhammer oh, okay. um, Renaissance rules um, that uh, that I've just recently discovered. And uh, I really wanted to try them out because they are essentially the, the fourth edition uh, rules with the magic and that kind of thing. But they're just being slightly tweaked in places um, where they've allowed, like, you know, certain rules from sixth edition and seventh well, that's edition. That's interesting. Um, just, just to, yeah, yeah, I, I thought I'd just mention it because if I know you love fourth edition like I do. Uh, basically, it's it's essentially the same game because the guy who created these rules, these homebrew rules, is a huge fan of the fourth edition era, um, and he basically wanted to re- recreate a game that he loved from back in the day, and keep keep it essentially the same, but then sort of just just refine a few things here and there that have been maybe like oh, cher- kind of cherry pick the, over the, the years mechanics that editions. work better. Kind of, yeah. So basically, if something was sort of not really well clarified right. or just very um, ambiguous in places, or maybe another rule system sort of handled something a little bit better than the previous editions, um, he sort of included those in there. So it's it's a rewrite, but it's still, oh, it's still essentially fourth edition Warhammer, but with a couple of little uh, additions here and there and the army lists have been completely revised so like dwarves for example are just <laughs> the most incredible army now like 
I just I just fell in love with them so much that I thought I can't I can't play dwarves in any other edition apart, apart That's from great. Renaissance. That's great. Is that the, the so gentleman cool. you did the interview with? Um, okay, I did listen to that. Yeah, that's him. That's the one. Yeah, that's Boulder. Yeah, and uh, he's a really interesting guy. Um, yeah, he's he's worked in hell, a hell of a lot on this on this rule set, and it's it's an actually a, a quite a thriving community. Like more and more people are sort of joining up and they're sort of trying the rules. And I sort of want to give him a hand, and, and the guys here too. We're, we're quite actively talking about it now because um, I think everybody's quite happy with their armies and the rules, and it's it's a little bit different. Right. It's like it's like a skin, well, it's so it's like being reskinned basically. So if you don't, yeah, it, it's 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 worth a look because I I didn't give it a second look at first. I just just looked at the the nice pretty pictures on their um on their on their group page. And then until he started talking about the the game, I thought, wow, I mean, this sounds really good, actually. I, I, I'm going to have a definitely look the next day. And when <laughs> I did, mate, I just haven't stopped looking at the rules and the armless ever since. So, um, and we've been nattering about it, me and the guys here in Japan, and we thought, okay, that's it. I can't wait any longer to, to meet up with you guys to play it. Let's do it online and see how we go. So you'll get to see that game uh, hopefully tomorrow. I'll upload it to my um, on the YouTube channel. Um, at the Crown and Command podcast. So, yeah, you can check it out, mate. You can see that some of the new rules changes, the doors will be featured there and against the Night Goblins. So it should be like a really nice feast. Oh, I look forward to uh, battle checking between that out. Those two guys, those two armies. <coughs> yeah. Okay, Robert. Well, thank you so much, mate. I, I, think, I think I'll let you go because maybe you <laughs> want to get, you know, want to do something or get off your chair and <laughs> I gotta get back have, to have a drink or something and, and, and get back to normal, normal life. But, um, yeah, mate, do that. I want to see it. I want to see it finished. So please, please uh, show, 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 and share it with us at the Hero Camera Group on Facebook. Um, so just in case people don't know about it, yes, there is a, a group dedicated to all these old, wonderful games of fourth and fifth edition. That's on Facebook. Um, and if you're not not on Facebook <laughs> and you think I'm never going to join Facebook, I hate Facebook. Uh, just like I always say, just you know, invent it or use a character's name from the Warhammer world uh, that you really that you're really uh, um, affectionate with, and just create a fake, fake account, jump in there, and get motivated and inspired by all the wonderful yeah, there's stuff a that ton of doing out there, ton of great hobby to be found, um, and and tons of inspiration. The pictures that you see in the videos, uh, it's. It's a great way to keep you going, keep the motivation going, and and really just see some awesome stuff and get a lot of engagement. Absolutely, yeah. heaps of engagement, especially since the lockdown. It's just been incredible. Like the amount of posts that's been there, yeah, you know, been you know been uploaded every day, is quite incredible. I'm quite astounded actually. Um, so it's it's quite a, a revival or an awakening now that uh, people have discovering all these old games and getting their stuff out of their closets and, you know, uh, attics. So we just moved attic, in Robert? to a new house about a year ago and I've got a basement. <laughs> so there's a chunk of space that I claimed in the basement. That's my gaming room. Finally, a long, lifelong dream to have a gaming room. So I've got shelves and storage shelves and a table that just gets to stay up and a dedicated painting space. I'm very lucky. Oh, mate, that's awesome. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you got that because uh, that's, I think that's 
for some of us, it's a dream that uh, yeah. <laughs> we will attain at some point or maybe never. So, yeah, to have that is awesome. So I've only got a very, very small table, like four by four table in my in my hobby right. room that's, yeah. you know, an obstacle more, more than anything else. I'm going to run into it by the time I get up out of this chair, I think. But, yeah, that's cool, mate. So I'm glad you got that there. And, um, yeah, keep hobbying. And, uh, it's hey, it was great to talk to you. To you Robert. I love the That'd podcast. Keep pleasure, going. Mate. Thanks, mate. I, ho- I hope to keep it going as long as people are interested in playing the game and uh, and, uh, and joining in and supporting it. So, yeah, I hope to speak to many more people around the world. If you want to contact me, please get in touch with the in, in me. Sorry, get, please get in touch with me through the Crown and Command podcast at gmail.com or through the pod uh, through the email through the podcast. And uh, I hope to speak to. Uh, other people around the world, maybe from America or from other countries. I'm always interested in to, to hear about their origin stories and that kind of thing. But uh, I'll leave you to it, Robert. So please start painting Grom and please okay. get those Talk photos up on the hero. Thank you once again for listening and downloading another episode of the Crown of Command podcast. If you enjoyed, enjoyed this episode and you would like to contact us with some questions or feedback, please get in contact with us through the Crown of Command podcast at gmail.com or through the Anchor email address or on my YouTube channel uh, under the same name at the Crown of Command podcast or on Twitter, Instagram, or on Facebook. So until next time, guys, take care and I'll see you in the next one. Okay, bye.